0: God does want to revive us. God is a, a good God, a great God, loving God. One of the greatest blessings, one of the greatest tools for revival that he has given to us is his intention to include us in family relationships. For those that come to know Christ, we are included in the family of God. We have God as our Heavenly Father. We are His children. We enjoy relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. God's intention from the beginning was also to include us in Christ-centered earthly families. Husband and, and wives modeling the relationship between Jesus Christ and His church. Godly parents. Raising children that God gives to us for the Lord. And children who honor their parents and their God. God has a great family plan. But God's family plan is under vicious attack. Unfortunately, as we look around, we see too many cases where God's plan is most definitely not being implemented. It's under attack. People who reject the opportunity to be part of God's family. People who want to be part of God's family but don't follow Him very closely. Husbands and wives whose relationships are ruined by selfishness. Families that are torn apart by death. Parents who don't raise their children for the Lord. And in fact, very, very sadly, some parents that terribly abuse their children. Children who rebel even against godly upbringing sometimes and copy the behavior of the prodigal son. God's family plan has been and is being rocked by sin. But God has made it possible for his plan to be reclaimed in our lives. And we're going to be talking about that for the next few weeks. Uh, This morning we want to consider the, the... the plan that God has revealed, just in some of its basics, we'll flesh out some of the details in the weeks to come. We want to consider the fact of the, the, the upsetting, the attack on God's family plan, God's family plan being rocked, and then God's plan for us to reclaim that plan that he has for our family. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, this morning. Uh, we want to take you back to the beginning as recorded here in the first chapters of Genesis and consider some of the specifics about God's family plan. Uh, reading starting with me at verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. As we read this passage of Scripture, we see God's plan, and we see this. He implements that plan. He pronounces favor upon it. In verse 31, he looked upon it as he puts it all into operation, and it says he pronounced it very, very good. And we find that uh, his plan involves, first of all, man being created to have fellowship with God. That is the the. One of the main reasons for creating man in his own image and likeness. He gave man will and intellect and ability to communicate uh, so that we would be able to communicate with our, our Heavenly Father that's God's intention from the beginning. He was different from the animals. God created all the animals, but none of them had the capacity to communicate with or fellowship with God the way that man who was created in his own image and likeness was. Uh, We're told over in chapter 3 that God walked in the the garden with Adam and Eve in the beginning. They had close fellowship with each other, close individual fellowship and and family fellowship with God. And the fact of the matter is God's plan is a great plan. He desires for us to live in fellowship with Him. His plan also involves man being created to have companionship with another person Like himself, but different. And uh, we go into the details here on the creation of man and and woman here, male and female. Uh, Men and women are alike in that both are created in the image and the likeness of God. Uh, We can both know God, model God, glorify God. Men and women have tremendous value to God. Both have the ability to communicate with and understand each other and God. Uh, that's God's plan from the beginning. So there's, there's a likeness there. There's a difference there as well. Uh, difference for, for one thing, male and female, to enable reproduction. If you took any biology or learned anything along the way in life, you know that it takes male and female to produce a baby. Also, we find that it, it makes a life a whole lot more interesting and full. It uh, talks about in chapter 2, where you get a little more, a little more details. Uh, on the creation of woman being taken from the side of adam Uh, we find that it says he was going to make for adam a helper who was suitable for him just right for him a companion who was going to be ideal for him that's god's plan uh that's what god planned in the beginning to have a, a husband and wife who were alike but but different and that's a great plan It's a great plan that God put into operation, and we read in the end of chapter 2, or towards the end, it says they were both naked and unashamed. There was an openness, a transparency, and there was just a beautiful relationship there that God started from the beginning. God's plan is a great plan. His plan also involves being created to have children. One of the first commands that he gives to Adam and Eve is to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and, and subdue it. Somebody said that's the only plan that, uh, or the only command of God that man has made any kind of a serious attempt to obey, uh, to be fruitful and multiply. We find sometimes that's not the case either with uh, a lot of people not wanting to have children these days. Uh, so it involves having children, which uh, requires male and female, and all are to work together to subdue the earth, to care for the earth. They have something to do. God's plan is a, a great plan. And we find that his plan also involves uh, work. It's a great plan in all of its parts. And one of the parts of it is the fact that it... Whoops, we missed something. There we go. The man was created to work. And if you notice that he's got something for him to do, to subdue the earth to have dominion over it basically to care for it man is god's caretaker for the earth that's that's been the case from the beginning Uh, man was never created just to sit around and do absolutely nothing uh work was was not part of the fall work was instituted long before the fall ever took place and it was a, a great plan that god had in connection with that uh they were to work together male and female parents and children one of the neat things about before the fall the work would have all been productive work where you didn't have things working against you the way it is since the fall has taken place Uh, god's given a great purpose in living and god's given us a great earth to subdue even though the earth has been affected by the fall still it is a great planet to live on you know, the, the things you get to see, the, the, the beauty that he's given to us in this world, uh, the different kind of trees, the different kind of food, the different kind of flowers. The, it, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful, beautiful job that God has given us to do on a beautiful, beautiful planet set exactly the right distance away from the sun. Uh, God's plan is a great plan in all of its parts, whether it's our relationship with God Husbands' relationship with their wives, uh, relationship with children, and even in, in, in work. God's plan is a great plan, but it's been in, it has been rocked. It's been rocked by the fall. If you go over to chapter 3, you find out that uh, it was rocked tremendously. Uh, God's family plan was rocked and disrupted by man's sin. Over in Genesis 3, I'm sure you're familiar with the passage over there where it talks about the fact that Eve was, was tempted by the, the devil through the serpent to eat fruit that, that God had commanded not be eaten. God had given wonderful opportunities and, and variety. He says you can eat of anything you want to, any of the, the, the vegetation, any of the fruit that there is on the planet, eat any of it that you want to. God given us a great deal. But he said, this one tree, don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. So one test in in process here. And God's plan was rocked when, when Eve was deceived by Satan and she ate that fruit. And then we find that Adam himself, deliberately, with his eyes wide open, he ate that fruit as well in direct rebellion against God. And we find when that happened, God's family plan was rocked and disrupted by man's sin, rebelling against God. Of course, Satan's temptations involved. But basically, when you read chapter 3 there in Genesis, uh, we find that it is self-will rather than God's will. They knew exactly what God's will was. Don't eat the fruit. But both Eve and Adam, each one, rebelled against God's will and followed their own will and ate that fruit. And now we're still facing the the difficulties that have come along with that. The first thing that was disrupted was man's relationship with God. Something happened between man and God. Where there had been close fellowship, that fellowship's interrupted. We find that uh, after they've eaten the fruit, God comes to the garden looking for them, and they are hiding from him. In fact, we read elsewhere in Scripture that what happened is that man died Spiritually, God warned, the day you eat of that fruit, you will die. And there were two kinds of death that take, took place when they ate that fruit. They died, first of all, spiritually. Something happened to their relationship with God. Death always is the idea of separation. Physical death is separation of the soul from the body. Spiritual death is separation from God. And when Adam and Eve ate that fruit, death came into the picture spiritual death where man now today every time adam and eve have, had children and every child that's born into this world today the, the children are born into the world spiritually dead they they do not have an automatic connection with god but thank god he provided a savior so that we could have that that restore that, that fellowship restored but the first thing that happened was that that relationship with god well, was disrupted interrupted destroyed And that really, everything else we find is is fallout from that. And not only did spiritual death come into the picture, but that's when physical death began as well. Adam and Eve began to die physically. It was years later before the, the process worked its way out, and they actually had their soul move out of their body, but they began to age, and they began to deteriorate, just as we go through in our lifetime. You know, sometimes we're not aware of that fact when we're young and healthy and strong and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't know when it is you get into life and you start realizing, hey, I really am dying. Now, something really is happening here. My body's breaking down. I can't do what I used to, but, but that's a reality. Physical death and spiritual death, both a reality. And the first uh, real smashing hit against God's family plan had to do with the relationship between man and God. And guaranteed, if you've got problems in a family today, uh, the, the, the roots of that go back to somebody that's, that's got a problem in their relationship with God. We find that uh, the, the sin also disrupted the relationship between husband and wife companions. In fact, we find that the first disruption of the husband-wife companionship is this a matter of death. I mean, in fact, we, we recognize that even when people get married, with the vows that we have them take, they go through their vows and they add on to the end of it that I'll forsake all others and do these things. How long? Until death do us part. Or as long as we both shall live. The fact of the matter is death steps into the picture sometimes and interrupts the companionship between a husband and a wife there are many here that have, have, have dealt with that and it's uh, a very difficult thing to face it, it just destroys that relationship and the pain continues to to go with you uh, for years and years to come until the Lord calls calls you home uh, himself but death interrupts the family relationship we find that it's not just husbands and wives that are affected by that and have to deal with widowhood. We find that uh, we lose grandparents. We lose parents. We lose siblings. We lose aunts and uncles and cousins. So I think about my life. My, both my grandparents. All my grandparents are gone. My, my parents are both gone. My in-laws are both gone. I've got uh, no, no uncles left on this planet. I've got one aunt that's left on this planet. It was back in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, got cousins that have already been taken out of this world. You know, it, it, death really changes your family, doesn't it? it really change. I look back to, to days when I was growing up and what the family was like, and you know what? My family's completely different than what it was back then. And one of these days, the Lord will take me out of this world. And that'll be another change for my family. Uh, the, the first disruptor that comes against god's family plan is this this enemy this enemy of of death that that comes and destroys the relationship really between people we find that god's family plan for between husbands and wives is also disrupted by by self-will when people do what they want to do instead of what god would would have them to do of course that's what happened with adam and eve and in chapter 3 god pronounces the curse And uh, let's go ahead and read the whole thing here. Chapter 3, and starting in verse 14. It says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, who who the devil used, Because you've done this, you're cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you'll go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is actually enmity between Satan and this woman. And between your seed and her seed and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. first indication here that, that there was going to be a redeemer who was going to be born one of these days that was going to help reverse the trends of the, of the curse we'll talk about that more in a minute but he continues on with the curse he says to the woman he said I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain you shall bring forth children and your desire shall be for your husband." And he shall rule over you. Uh, in that last part of that 16th verse, we find the, the root of, of most of the marital disharmony that there is and ever has been in the world. You say, well, if the woman's desire is for her husband and he's going to lead, where, where's the problem here? Well, actually, when he says your desire will be for your husband, it's not quite that she's going to just love him immensely and want to do everything that, that he wants her to do. In fact, if you go over to chapter 4, we get a, a verse over here that helps us to see exactly what this is talking about. It says, now Adam knew his wife, and, and she conceived and bore Cain and, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. So, you know, God's going to really take care of things. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit to the, of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought one of the firstlings of his flock, and on their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. In verse 6, it says, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. You should rule over it. What he's saying here to Cain is sin's lying at the door, and sin desires to control you. But you need to get victory over sin. Same terminology that you have back in chapter 3 and verse 16 that leads to the problems. He told Eve, you're going to desire to control your husband, and he's going to rule over you. Do you see a potential for problems there? Just slightly, right? Everybody wants their own way. And we're born with a sin nature. You know what the sin nature is all about? It's all about selfishness. It's all about I want what I want when I want it the way I want it. And that doesn't go away when you say I do when you get married. And there's the potential there in any relationship because of those sin natures for the wife to want her way and the husband to want his way and when they both want the same thing, that's that, that's all right, correct? Especially if they want what God wants. They both want what the Lord wants. That That's God's plan. That's a good thing. But how about when they just both want their way and they don't care a whole lot about what God wants? There's marital disharmony. There's irreconcilable differences. There's problems. What caused it? Sin came in and rocked God's family plan, and it affected The relationship between husbands and wives on top of that we also have the fact that we live in a sinful world and we also have a deceiver named Satan who who still works in families and wants to destroy relationships between husbands and wives as well we find sin also disrupted God's plan for for children Uh, it it says one of the things was going to happen when after the fall took place uh, women were going to have pain in childbirth. Does that mean that there was no pain before the fall took place? Well, there were no kids that were born before the fall took place. But I think it's indicating that if the fall hadn't occurred, there would not have been any pain in childbirth. How do you feel about Adam and Eve right now, ladies? <laughs> you know, painless childbirth. Wow. But the fall did take place. And we could take the rest of the hour here probably this morning, heaven ladies, give testimony about the reality of pain in childbirth. He also says, I will multiply your sorrow and your conception. I think some of the sorrow connected with conception may have to do with miscarriages, uh, stillbirths, things like that that, that happen that would not have occurred. if It hadn't been for the fall. Uh, there's part of the, part of the problem that comes into the, the, the picture, the pain in childbirth. And the other thing is, that uh, every child that's given birth in this world comes into the world as a sinner. Every child comes into this world with a sin nature, and they need to come to trust Jesus as their Savior. Thank God they're covered by the blood of Christ till they reach the age when they can understand right and wrong because Christ died for them as well. But when you reach the ability to understand right and wrong, we need to teach our children to make sure that they trust Christ as their Savior. Every child's born a sinner. And and, and sadly, many times children go off in their own own direction. Uh, Sometimes they can bring heartache to parents. I've heard different people say on occasion, you know, if I had it to do over again, I would not have had any children. Isn't that sad? That's not God's initial plan for children. Thank God my wife and I have never felt that way. Hopefully nobody here has felt that way, but I'll bet there's some, if you were honest. And I say, if I had to do over, I had to do over, I wouldn't have any kids. Because there's a lot of heartache that's been brought into my life as a result of that. What, what causes that? Well, sin disrupted God's plan for children. Sin also disrupted God's plan for man's work. Read over here, part of the curse, actually from the beginning, it was always God's plan for man to work. Uh, Subdue the earth. Have dominion over the earth. Be the caretaker of the earth. That was always God's plan. But now things are changing. The earth is cursed. And it says that, uh, verse 17, Then Adam, he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. You know what he's saying here? You're going to keep working, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult as you go about the work in life. You're going to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. The elements are going to work against you. Uh, You you want to plant crops and grow things, there's going to be thorns, there's going to be thistles, there's going to be weeds. The ground is cursed and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be very, very hard to carry out your job of taking care of the work that you have. In fact, that's quite an effect upon family life when you think about it. You know, if work was easy and everybody could enjoy it together, that'd be one thing. But I'll tell you what, most folks go through a tension a tension they're trying to earn a living and it's hard to earn a living and there's a lot of work that has to go into it and you want to spend appropriate time with your family and have influence on them as well and there's a tension that's there you know, between doing the job that's hard to do and takes time and takes effort and takes energy and still having time and energy and life to pour into your family am I blowing smoke or is this real? is there reality here? No, it's difficult. Why? Because we live in a sin-cursed world. God's family plan has been wrong. And then even, even work is affected by death. He warns Adam, you're, gonna, you're taken from dust. You're going to return to dust. And, and as you work, we find that uh, as you get older, work gets more difficult. Sometimes you get to a place where work becomes impossible as you become incapacitated with age. And one day, we, we die and we leave behind much of what we worked for. And we better make sure we've been working for more of the material things. You know how much they're worth in the end? Not very much. We, my wife and I have been involved in the uh, disposing or dismantling of, of a couple of different households when our parents passed away and think of things that they accumulated and and things that they enjoyed and so forth and you know how much of that they took with them when they left this earth same amount you're going to take with you same amount i'm going to take with me and it, it's you know so we better be working for something more than just accumulating material things jesus said life is more than the abundance of things that we would recognize that and and be involved in the lives of others and be laboring in the cause of christ i love that last verse in 1 corinthians 15 where it says be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that your labor in the lord is what not in vain Man, we ought to give attention to the cause of christ we ought to give attention to other people we ought to give effort to reaching others with the gospel of christ well it's not a very pleasant thing to think about the way that God's plan has been rocked by sin. And that's why we see some of the many of the messes that we have in the world today connected with family life because of sin and because we live in a fallen world. But I'm glad I can share with you this morning. God's plan the plan can be reclaimed. In fact, he starts out in Genesis 3, and he promises a redeemer. And down in verse 21 of, of chapter 3, it talks about the fact that uh, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. You know, Adam and Eve tried to put fig leaves together and, and cover their nakedness. That's kind of a picture of the uh, religious efforts of people to try to make themselves acceptable to God. Uh, pretty poor effort. How many of you would like to run around here in Michigan in fig leaves in February? I didn't think so. Not, not very effective. Not very warming. Not very, not very modest either, for that matter. But God made provision for them. And His provision involved the first deaths. The death of at least one animal, maybe a couple of animals, to provide covering for them. Why did the animal die? The animal hadn't done anything. It was Adam and Eve who had fallen. And that's how they got caught up in the shame of nakedness. But what, what did the animal do? Nothing. But God provided the animal and gave the skins for covering of their nakedness. And that's a picture of the Lamb of God that God would provide to take away our sin and give us the covering that we need to take care of our sin problem. We find God begins with, a, begins with reconciliation to our Creator as individuals. God's made a tremendous provision so that you and I can be reconciled to Him. And his provision is the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the descendant of David, Jesus Christ, who died on that cross for our sin. Great provision. God's given wonderful promises. We're told in Scripture, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's Jesus again. And the promise is that whosoever would believe in him, put our trust in him, We will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. That's a pretty good promise, right? The Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If we'll receive him, we'll receive the authority to become the children of God. The reconciliation's there. Through Christ, we can be reconciled. We can have peace with God. He becomes our Heavenly Father. We become his child. And man, what a great thing that is. You know, the the relationship be reclaimed. There's there's one requirement that's placed upon us in order to take advantage of God's provision and that requirement is that we repent of our sin and put our faith in Christ. If you're trusting in yourself to get into heaven, you're not going to make it. I don't care how many times you walk through the doors of this church or any other church, it's not going to get you there. Doesn't matter how much money you put in an offering place someplace, that's not going to do it. Doesn't matter how good you are to people, that's not going to get you into heaven. The only thing that'll do it, recognize you're a sinner who is deserving of eternal hell eternal death from God and that Jesus Christ died on that cross for your sin so that you could be cleansed you could be forgiven you could be given eternal life thank you brother what a wonderful thing that is everybody ought to be saying amen to that that's pretty exciting isn't it we can be reconciled to God and it's by grace through what through faith I'm glad it's by grace That's God giving us his undeserved favor. And we certainly don't deserve it, but he gives it to us. And we get to respond to him in faith. We find that uh, as far as reclaiming God's plan for a family relationship, it requires constant recognition of God as a third person included in a husband and wife companionship. You know, a marriage is not just a husband and a wife. God's in there as well. And a husband has the responsibility to treat his wife the way that God says so because it's being obedient to God. And the wife has the responsibility to treat her husband the way that, that he is to be treated be out of obedience to God. God's there. and Oh, that we, we need to remember every word we say is heard by his ears. Every conversation that we have is heard by the Lord. We find that uh, it also reconqui- re- requires... Recognizing the role that God has and that we must play in the lives of our children. First of all, our children are a heritage from the Lord and they belong to Him. Our kids don't belong to us. You realize that, don't you? God gives them to us as a heritage from Him, Psalm 127. And we're stewards to take care of them for Him. And we are to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And we are to teach them God's truth, and we're to model our loving Heavenly Father and our glorious Savior to them. We are to pray for them. We are to entrust them to the Lord. And in the midst of that all, we ought to know that our children have their own will. And you and I can't break it. (laughs) You and I can't shape it. There's only one that can, and that's the Lord himself. And it's encouraging to know that God loves our children even more than we do. And there's great encouragement in in knowing that we are not alone in raising our kids. I'll tell you what, there's nothing as humbling in this world as raising children. Any parents say amen to that? (laughs) You know, you think you got all the answers for life. You know, you do a pretty good job with the first one, and then the second one comes along and what? They're completely different. You know, the things that worked with the first don't necessarily work with the second one. What a humbling thing it is. Oh, how you need God's help and if the kids do grow up to love the lord we got to be careful and taking the credit for it we got to just give the glory to god give the glory to god you know what a great thing to know that we have god helping us and god also provides encouragement and perspective in the struggle to survive that's the uh, earning a living against the thorns and the thistles and the cursed ground and the cursed world that we live in you know we we find that that we need to trust god we need to work for the things that really count we need to work with eternity in view and know that god wants more for us than than just surviving just getting by see in john 10 it tells us that jesus came into this world and he said i came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly you know he, yeah work can be hard but you know there can even be satisfaction in work as we do it to the lord we're told in colossians God's our boss in everything we do. We have to do all that we do heartily. We do it for His honor, for His glory. We just don't work for the boss. We work for God, and that could even revolutionize the way that we do our job and work as a testimony for Christ in it all. You know, we find that um, God's family plan is a great plan in all of its parts. Our relationship with God, the husband-wife companionship, children that God blesses us with, and, and even work. How many of you enjoy work? Anybody here enjoy work? Anybody here always enjoy work? <laughs> a lot of things we enjoy in it, right? And what a privilege it is to be able, be able to work, right? I tell you what, one of the hardest things is to be incapacitated and unable to do things. You talk about humbling. That's, that's tough. Every part of God's plan is a great plan. And it's been rocked, but thank God it can be reclaimed reclaiming it is only possible through Jesus. It is only possible through faith in Him and submission to His plan. Every time we think we got a better plan and we deviate from what the Scripture says, we mess it up. We need to submit ourselves to His plan. And we need to surrender ourselves to Christ and battling self-will in our lives. Our greatest enemy is not the devil our greatest enemy is not the world our greatest enemy is our own will ourselves like pogo said we've met the enemy and he is us you know what we battle that sin nature that self and we can only reclaim god's family plan by being christ-centered cross-driven disciples keeping our eyes firmly on jesus christ and recognizing what He did for us on the cross at Calvary and how much He loves us to do that and being willing to serve Him because of what He did for us. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the wonderful plan that You have, the plan that You had from the beginning. And we realize that, that man's rebellion has, has certainly messed it up as far as what we see in our world today, but we are so thankful that through Your grace and Your mercy, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Blessed Holy Spirit, that we can reclaim your plan in our lives. We can be reconciled to you and have you as our Heavenly Father and other Christians as our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, Lord, we can have a marriage relationship that really does picture the relationship between Christ and the church. The Spirit of God can do that in our hearts and lives. We thank you, Lord. We can have children that love their parents and parents that love their children that, that, that serve Christ together and, and work for eternity together. What a joy that is. Now, Lord, we can even do our job that you give to us, no matter what kind of work it might be, for your honor, for your glory, and, and do things there that, that count for eternity as we give a testimony for Christ and all that we say and do and we impact the people that you bring across our lives. With the gospel of christ as we share it as we live it out or help us to reclaim your plan for our lives and our families by walking in faith before you we pray in jesus name amen would you close with me this morning with number 41 god is so good god is so good stand together while we sing if you've never taken christ to be your savior we invite you to do that this morning i'd be happy to talk further with you about it. it's the only way you